Welcome to another FTBL Year Zero podcast. This week we've got Archie Fraser, former head of the AO, to tell us how he sees the future. FTBL podcast. I'm Kevin Ayers. This is part of our Year Zero series where we speak to uh, leading members of the Australian football community to get their view on the Australian landscape post the coronavirus crisis. This week we speak to Archie Fraser, former head of the A-League and uh, until quite recently uh, CEO of the new club MacArthur FC2. The Scot knows the business inside out and some fascinating views on how the future will unfold. In some ways, it's probably come at a good time for the FFA and the A-League because they were going to have to make this decision to split or not anyway. And it's kind of been forced upon them now. It's a chance for a, a whole new ground-up rebuild. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, and I think that's um, I think there's enough people thinking that that's what needs to happen. It's probably a it's probably a generational opportunity to uh, to reset things um, and reset them. You know, for the good of the game, you know, rather than for the good of um, different groups or individuals or states or whatever it might be, whatever the you know whatever your agenda has been, I think it's kind of time to actually think about what what can we all do really to ha- have football come out this the other end um, a much better, um, just a better game and a better you know run prop run improved um, living within our means improving the product, there's a whole range of things there's opportunity to do here, I think. What potentially what's the outcome of the A League with all this, you know, that's that's just that that's probably yeah one of yep. the starting points is um what do we think the A League? I mean we all I think everybody wants the A League to not just survive. You know, I don't like that word I'd like it to prosper rather than survive, but um Do do you think it can survive? What does it look like? Yeah that that's certainly the question. I don't know. Obviously there's a, a few clubs that Seem to be in danger of going to the wall if the, uh, the Fox Sports money is not coming through. Well, I think yeah, you're almost going to do the exercise with and without the Fox money, you know. And, and even if the Fox money comes through, you would think, will it continue to come through um, beyond, you know, anyway? It's, there's lots of questions around that. So you're probably going to do. Hopefully, somebody's doing the equation. But if it doesn't come through, what does that mean? And then. If it does come through, how long does it come through for? Yeah. Um, uh, and I suppose the big issue now is you've had you know, the question that, you know, if, if I put myself in the shoes of um, sort of both the roles I've had in football, and, and I think, well, if I'm running the league, what sort of questions am I asking? And if I'm running a club, what questions am I asking? Uh, I mean, clearly, it would appear the value in the licences has, has, has almost evaporated, um, potentially. Yeah. Um, and and I think that the value in the license has been the thing that's been poten- probably keeping a lot of the clubs uh, going, thinking that they've got an asset that is is attractive and saleable at some point, or um, you know they could sell some equity off to continue to get some value back. But I think the thought, you know, the thought of of quite a lot of these clubs having to continue to top up. A couple of million a year or more um, is the, that's that's the big question. That, that's what they'll all be looking at now and saying, 
um, you know, even the mature clubs, which are well run, uh, well funded, will still be saying, well, you, you know, is our asset really worth what we think it's worth? And, and it's not just that their assets, it's the fact is their assets only worth if they've got competitors in a league, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's unfortunately, uh, you know, three or four of the clubs decided that's enough. I want to say that's enough. I'm not topping it up anymore. Um, and all of a sudden, I don't think there's going to be an appetite for another five new licenses at, at you know, 15 million bucks. And even my, you know, my old club, obviously, MacArthur, would have some decisions to make because they've got a payment due um, in July, I think. Um, substantial payment due, which I think has been already been written about. Um, is it 3.5 or somewhere about there? Um, yeah. That, that they've got to pay in July. Well, you know, you, if you're, I mean, if, again, if, if if a board are asking me the question, or they're probably not asking me the question, they, they would probably come and saying, well, you, you know, are we going to pay this? And why would we pay this? Well, there's no, no guarantee of a TV deal, no guarantee of the league. So you, you, they'll almost be, you'd think they'll sit back and wait and see who, who starts up again and who um, and who walks away? The clubs are going to have to get some payment from the FFA, but the FFA's books are going to be looking horrendous, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that you've got. You know, sponsorships um, will either be getting delayed or held or 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 terminated because the products there'll be a whole range of so many angles to this thing in terms of the income streams. I mean, it's it's like everything is just dried up, and they don't really have enough resources. Um, if they give the resources to the A-League clubs, then have they got enough resources in the middle? It's it's a dilemma. It's a it's a massive issue. Yeah. Um, given that, uh, I mean, what do we have? We, we've had a hundred million dollar FFA business has been roughly a hundred million, so two million a week in costs yeah. gone out the door. Um, well, if they've pulled up seventy five percent of that back, then they've still got half a million in costs a week. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's probably higher than that, you know. It's probably closer to eight hundred to a million a week gone at the door still. Yeah. So they've still got to find twenty-five. Um, they've still got to find fifty million to run the to run the business with a whole bunch of diminishing revenues. Um, so it, it, it's it's it's. I'm not sure which way it will go, mate. To be honest, I think. Well, I think, but you know, the big issue I think is the value in the elite league licenses and whether whether owners decide that they want to hang in longer uh, and invest another few million in keeping the clubs open, um, I, I, I can't. Can, I mean, I can't see the league season getting finished. No. Um, no. You know, I, I, I think um, for all, all reasons, and I think they could work around grounds and they could do a whole range of things. But I think just getting the players back, training and back into it, and um, you know the travel. There'll be it just needs one one more person to catch it again. This is not going to disappear in a few weeks. So, I just it's so much uncertainty, really, isn't it? That's uh, but the the long term thing is when we when we are actually able to travel and everything's back to normal uh, or whatever normal is when it gets back there. Um, it, you know, do we have yeah twelve owners that are prepared to continue topping up a business that was maybe on average, losing a couple of million and, and maybe now starts to lose a bit more. But that that will depend on PFA, wages, size of squads. There's a whole range of stuff. I'm not sure you can cut the squads too much more. Um, already a bit thin on that. But, um, you know, the, the actual the, the wages 
might have to change. There's a whole everything's up for discussion. Yeah, really. I mean, I think you know, worst case scenario, Fox walks away. Um, a league club owners are left holding the baby of a competition that you know no longer has the same cachet it did when they were discussing breaking away. Um, but obviously, there's still got to be some value from that. But they would have to reimagine, I think, the whole thing. Um, what what forms do you think that could possibly take? Well, I think I think we're fortunate the work that's been done in the second division in the in the preparation. You know that I mean the probably the I think the clubs, the existing clubs that put forward their intention to play in a second division could potentially become effectively a new first division. You know, in, in a lot of ways, yep. so that we're, we've at least got some content. Um, I think that um, that obviously the broadcast model needs would need to change dramatically, and and obviously the, the existing NPLs have already set up uh, an NPL OTT. Um, they've got you know streaming of every game, virtually in every state now, um, and along with that is there's a, a fully automated graphics package that allows that streaming to be monetized. Um, not so much from a subscription point of view at this point of time, but from an ad-based point of view, there's no, there's no. If you're watching the, the if you watch the NPL on streaming, you'll you'll see that um, it's um, uh, it's got a series of ads and, and a, a graphics coming through. And um, I've actually been working with a young kid that developed that package out of Sydney. He's a, one of the best startups in the country. Uh, doing stuff globally with all sorts of sports. Well, he's he's allowed effectively the NPL, and that could effectively be the A League or the new First Division, whatever you wanted to call it, could run that same platform with an automated graphics package and a much much lower cost of production. So, I think there are some opportunities in that transition that's happening in streaming and transition that's happening in broadcasting that would reduce the cost of delivering the product. But you know that whatever that product is. Um, and, and, and allow effectively, I suppose, the league or the FFA or whoever or the, or the clubs um, or whoever the entity is to own that content. So that's quite. I, th- I think that's a really exciting prospect in terms of um, the amount of active people who would potentially watch that that level of content if it was the highest level of content we had in the game. And if you brought back in some tribalism in the game, so I think I think there's opportunities for, um, you know, the, the NPL stroke second division to to migrate up in some way and to control their own content. That you know, and if they control their own content, then then that potentially there's a monetization of that content without any question. Um, and and you can cut that different ways, but you know, if, if um, in my my sort of thinking, my sort of rough numbers is you know if there was a hundred thousand subscribers at twenty twenty bucks per a, a month to subscribe to watch all content that could be women's it could be you know right through club level twenties reserves whatever you wanted to have um, could you get a hundred thousand out of the two million that are registered or or play the game to pay twenty bucks a month well that would be twenty five million twenty four million. You know yeah. that sort of number. So there's a, I haven't done all the numbers on that, but there's definitely an equation. You, you know, I don't think you can get five hundred thousand people subscribing, 
and subscription may not be the right model. It may, you may have to give away for free to get it moving. But ultimately, there's an ad platform there. Somehow you've got to get access to those 2 million yeah. um, people that, are, that like football. And there's clearly going to be a passionate amount of people in whatever the new league is if it does transition. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of not hoping that that happens. But if, if, in fact, we had to plan for the A-League teams saying, thanks very much, it's been a great journey, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it did happen, then there's a lot of teams that would potentially step up and still give us football content and the players would still want to play at whatever level and that will find its own level. So there's a cons there's, I think there's a consumption uh, appetite for content, for good content. And if that content came on and it was owned, um, I think it could be, you know, um, a reasonable, in a very strong income stream. But you'd have to cut the cloth different ways. So that would be, you know, I think the federations would have to cut the cloth. I think I read last week was something like 60 million, I think, in costs from the federations um, in administration costs around the country. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you save 30 million there, you know, and had a different model that was a bit more streamlined, um, I mean, I'm not sure you need 10 CEOs <laughs> in, you know, in, in football or in the country. I'm not sure you need 10 media guys, 10. Ten of everything. So um, federations, full stop. Well, you know that that's that's obviously for the board or Congress to decide on. But you know, you you'd, you'd think you know, you would think that as a business, we don't. Well, we clearly don't run it. We clearly don't run it effectively or efficiently because, um, you know, we've had we've had this, and this has affected a lot of people. There's no question about that. But um, it's certainly affected football. It's showing football's fragility, so I think I think it's time to at least model something up which made sense and was robust, um, and that that was you know sustainable. Um, and, and the PFA have played a major part in that as well. Obviously, the PFA um, um, look after the players and they want to get the best deal for the players. But I think at the same time that's prevented the game from building assets. That would have seen us through this. So, if you, if you take, you know, compare compare us to the AFL, the AFL have got a billion dollar asset sitting at Telstra, at um, Etihad, or Marvel now, um, and they're able to go and effectively do a deal on that asset, which retains the asset and extends the length of the lease to use that venue, but they've still retained the asset. So they, they've they've they understood, and and I just think that we've. Um, We've probably made a lot of decisions, and a lot of them have been driven in considering how tight the game is money-wise, or has been. Um, a lot of those decisions have been made based on rewarding. Um, I mean, I think basically the salary, the salary cap, or the salaries that are paid to the A League and the salaries that are paid to the national teams are probably too high, given where we where our international levels are. You know, and, and I think that's just the reality of, and, and the reason I'm saying that is, we wouldn't have fallen apart so quickly if um, if they had a bit, been a bit more reasonable, because we probably could have had some assets built. You know, I'm not saying we need more administrators. What I'm saying is, if we had 15 million a year for the last freed up from Socceroo and also um, A League payments less across the board, um, 150 million, we'd probably have had 200 million in the bank um, as a fighting fund. Or we could have put that 200 million into assets, which could be worth a billion dollars today, similar to what the AFL have done. So, I think, I think that you know, there's a, there's a lot of things potentially need to be fixed or readjusted, 
and and the fact is that those deals were done, and it's not the PFA's fault. They're only doing their job, and I'm not blaming the PFA for that. But the realities are, when money's getting drawn out of the game, in administration and and players, and we're not building the asset bases, uh, like we, we still don't have any assets effectively. Um, certainly at the at the national level, um, that's not you know that's not a sound business model by any stretch of imagination. So, it would also, so I think. It would also probably uh, be better for the, the sport in general in Australia if players didn't necessarily dwell in Australia as long as they did because the wages are you know reasonably enough that they can make a decent living here without having to force themselves overseas and test themselves at a higher level. Yes, I, I think. Well, I think that's the thing. It, it, it's yeah. There's no question if you're getting if you're getting what's the average wage now, 150 or something. Yeah. Just yeah, if you're getting hundred, yeah, if you're getting hundred thirty, hundred and fifty for sitting in, you know, um, in Australia, then, <laughs> and you've got no, you, you know, you might get the sack, you might get dropped, you might get churned, but um, <laughs> you're not going to get much coming from overseas for that hundred and thirty. So you go with a local guy, and that's part of our issue as well. I think we've had a lot of players play for lots, lots of teams. So, you know, I think it's. Um, yeah, it's an opportunity, Mike, for certain to to look at the administration costs in the game, and also look at the the costs of um, running the game, and then look at the income streams and and how you know. But I think the next time this comes round, it would be nice for the game to be controlling its assets um, and have some assets, and I think that's probably you know that that's a board FFA board probably and Congress. Um, realization that we just can't keep putting the price up for for players to play the game at the lower levels and keep rewarding administrators and players at the top levels at an ever increasing level, and that percentage. I mean, that should be a key measure, really. And, and I've always, I mean, I've sort of been a believer in, in you know, I think if you're running a business like that, and I've, I've run plenty of businesses, proper businesses outside of sport, that. You know, there should be some some sort of key drivers as to why you do everything every day, and does it take you closer to or further away, whatever that goal is. And I'm not sure what the key goal is in football, but but if the key goal was we want to reduce the cost of kids playing the game, <coughs> then our leaders should be really looking at the decisions on a daily basis and saying, um, is that taking me closer to reducing the overall cost of playing for my kids? Or the, the, you know, so that we attract the best talent, and and we also at the same time have, as a result, attracting the best talent, we probably end up doing, uh, being, doing more partnerships with government, and therefore building our asset base. Um, and I'm not sure that we've ever had that clarity in football. I was going to um, say, I'm not sure we've, that thought has ever crossed anyone in the FFA's mind, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that, but that's why you have boards as well. You know, it's, it's sometimes the CEO, you go in and you get caught in the, you get caught in the daily stuff. Um, and and I, I think, you know, you can talk about the CEO having to have the vision. But that's sometimes difficult when you've got so many files to put out. And there's no question, you know, around the federation is, is like herding cats. Um, but for the amount of money we've paid for CEOs over the year, you would think that they would have some strategic ideas like that that would drive the behaviours and also drive the decision-making within their whole organisation and broader organisation. So if I'm having a conversation with a CEO 
in Queensland, and they're saying, oh, you know, uh, I mean, I think there was a recent issue there with, you know, a board member getting the job and, and some controversy around that, then that sort of allows that chairman to have the conversation with whoever he's having the conversation with and saying, well, is this decision taking it closer to, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're going to come in at this level of wage, uh, are you going to bring, what are you going to bring, which is going to reduce the cost to my to my participants? You know, and almost have that as a as a thinking process. I, there, there's never been that driver in, in the game. So there is an opportunity to reset things like that, that thinking, I think. You know, yeah. bring in the yeah. tribalism, really start behaving around uh, or start. But to do that, there's a lot of egos have got to step out the way, mate. You know, there's a lot of... Um, it hasn't been built that way. Um, it's a federated system. But go back to the Crawford report and read the Crawford report again. Yeah. It tells you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> there weren't too many things wrong in there. You know? yeah. <laughs> and and I think when you get to a situation like this, um, yeah, and you look at uh, $60 million a year in administration costs across all the states, well, you know, you know, if I, I've, I've done some reasonable work on companies of that size that have just been restructured wrong and you know at the end of the day you, start, you just go in and look at stuff and it just, just doesn't make sense you know and, and why is it being done it's been done because that's the way we've always done it but it does not make sense for the current working environment i think that's where we're at now so hopefully there's enough um nous and fortitude and and courage to be honest to actually make some of those changes to to reset the game you know, and and the best way because this is this is a this is a one-off opportunity to reset. I mean, I've been here forty years, and I came here to play for seven weeks. You know, and <laughs> and it hasn't changed much. You know, <laughs> and, and and it's unfortunate. And I've had a couple of cracks myself, but um, you know, it, it's pretty difficult to break down. So there needs to be a willingness, and maybe this is a willingness to make that happen. Mate, you know, do you think uh, Jim Johnson's the right person to to do this? I think so. I, I think. Um, yeah, I think if uh, I think it's good that we've got somebody that's got a global perspective on it, has worked outside the country and and has, and has grown up with the, the game, you know, as well. So, no, no, I think uh, I think he's 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 a good operator, he's a good thinker, mature. Um, you know, he won't knee jerk at anything, but it's it's herding the cats is the issue. You yeah, know, yeah. it's really you, you, the cats are going to be willing to. <laughs> To, um, I mean, football's not herding sheep. Sheep, sheep are easy. You, know, you just get the sheepdog, and you get a few loyal, loyal followers. And, but this is, um, you know, so we, we've we've got to take a one-off. This is a one-off opportunity, and I think, from what I saw through the clubs during the AAFC work that I did, um, and I'm still, you know, close enough to that to know what's going on there. I, I really was. I was just, just. So excited with the opportunity! Well, what took place there over a, a very short space of time? You know, within about three or four weeks, um, there was a hundred and hundred odd clubs that came to Melbourne on on an idea, and, and you could really see that there was a change required at that club level. You know, they, they, there were people who invested in their clubs, and I'm talking about money wise, but invested in the clubs just their, their lives, passionate about the game, wanting the game to be. Growing, wanting the A League to be to be wonderful, then it's not. But nobody's about. Nobody wants the A League to fall apart, you know. But it was great to see that passion. So we've got that passion still in the game, you know. There's no question about it. But it's a, it's really a, it's at club level. It's at A League level as well. But at club level, they're not gone away because they've still got to they've still got to open, you know, when they can and fulfil their community needs and and they, they you know they deliver a 
our service. I think that that's and, the big difference, yeah. differentiator, though. You know, these NPL and old NSL clubs, they are communities which have yeah. clubs, whereas the A-Leagues are franchises which are clubs. There's not that same sense of belonging, of participation within the community, apart from hospital visits and school visits. And I think that that's, that's going to be the great differentiator and probably the, the difference between life and death for, for these clubs post this. Well, yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I think that's right. It's. Uh, Do you see any failed clubs also... surviving? Oh, jeez, I hope so, mate. But I don't, you know, it, it's going to depend on whether that, that that switch flips from we've had, we've got, we've, you know, we've got a valuable asset to what is the asset really worth now? And the asset is only worth the collection of 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 clubs. So, you know, you, you would you would have to think that a number of these, yeah, a number of these clubs are, are going to have to really do their numbers hard and say, well, you know, can we afford to lose whatever the number is this year? The number might not be two million. The number might be four, mm. you know, four million, five million. Um, and in the reality of a, of a new setup, like we were just discussing earlier, sort of yeah. clubs coming up. We're no TV, you know, no certainty on a TV deal. I mean, I think, I think the, the, the benefit of, I mean, if the, if the elite does, disappear in its in its entirety and now let's hope that's not what happens but if it does you know in some ways it may be cleaner because the clubs coming up don't have that level of expectation from an income point of view yeah. you know so so the, the streaming deal or the tv deal or whatever it might be um it may well you know be more than enough if you like to get high, to get the best level football player and everybody take a haircut you know, it's it's quite possible, but um, it's just hard to see all the elite club, clubs surviving. You know, and I mean, if you think, I mean, Western United haven't had long enough really to get themselves established. Um, you know, um, still struggling for a supporter base. Yeah, MacArthur, you know, are, are clearly, um, you know, not even haven't even started pre-season training yet, and you know, there's obviously been and, and clearly that. Signed, I think, isn't it still? Yeah, and 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 you know, and bigger than you know, bigger than that also. I mean, the the ownership structure. You know, Lang Walker. You, you had yeah. you had a billionaire, you know, really well respected billionaire who had fifty percent of the ownership, who then decided to sell out in January um, to the existing guys. So, you know, and they're football people, but they're no, they're not, you know, they're no billionaires, yeah. um, and that and that and you know, um, so I, I think. You've got a number of fragile clubs, Central Coast, obviously Newcastle's owned by Chinese, um, Adelaide, yeah. potentially. Um, it's going to be a question of can they can they bunker down and 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 still, you know, survive the off season because we're we're going to. I mean, the players that want to start training first of July, the new contracts come in, um, but they don't kick off until October. Yeah. I mean. With no, you know, so sponsors are going to be, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not good. I, I, that's the, yeah, that's. <laughs> yes. Not Our, good. Possibly the biggest understatement of football today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an opportunity, as you said, for a reset. Yeah. Great. 
That's brilliant, Archie. Thank you so much for your time again, as always. Very much appreciate it. Whoa!